It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the sports, sports Rush with, with Brad Ruff. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. Taking you home, it's the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. You've been waiting all weekend to get our takes on the weekend sports, and we will deliver. We've got a big show coming up today, up until 6 o'clock. Joining us on the show, we'll have men's basketball coach John Kaufman from Purdue-Fort Wayne. We'll also have the incomparable Don Fisher, the legendary Hall of Fame voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, who will join us for our 15 minutes with Fish coming up at around 5.20 this afternoon. Glad you're with us. Stick with us up until 6 o'clock. And then coming up later tonight, big college hoops game on the radio at 8.45 tonight. You can hear Kansas, Kansas State right here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Somebody's going to say, that's not local. Hey, it's a good game. Yeah. What else are you going to be doing at 8.45 at night, right? Yeah, no local teams really playing tonight, no, I don't think. No, it's night so. off for all the local teams. The high school's pretty much off tonight. Uh, coming up tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, Mastodon's Coaches Show. That'll be followed by the Pacers versus the Rockets at 7. And then the Matt Painter Show will hit the airwaves 11.05 tomorrow night. Apparently, what are they doing, Matt Painter, on Tuesday this week instead of Monday? Not sure. Something, something got messed around. I know there's no IU Coaches Show this right. week. Because of the game. Because they play Ohio State tomorrow night, and uh, they are traveling this afternoon, having a talk with Don Fisher about this earlier. And he said, uh, because of the travel with the uh, team over to Columbus, so I don't know if they bus over to Columbus. They might be busing to Columbus as opposed to flying, and that's probably, they're probably on the bus en route. Yeah. That's just a really not necessary flight. I would imagine it's a bus. But... Yeah, you would think that, that that's one of the. What, two trips that Indiana makes where they can bus it? Yeah, there and uh, West Lafayette. Yep. That's about it. <laughs> yep. And uh, what are the two trips this week? There and West Lafayette. So that I bus. guess they <laughs> have the plane disinfected and cleaned out. <laughs> 46862, Parfus Sports Medicine Text Line. You got any questions, comments, or suggestions? Your thoughts on the weekend sports? Let us know. Of course, that includes Purdue. Indiana, <laughs> can't wait to hear what you have to say about that. Also, uh, we've got Comets, um, Pacers, any other college basketball, high school basketball. Yeah. Oh, yeah, girls basketball. That was fun on on uh, Saturday night oh, in yeah. Columbia City, a packed gym. You know what? i got to give a big shout-out, though, to the fans of both of those teams because both sides, Columbia City and Homestead, turned out in fact, the high school basketball community turned out. I saw a number of people that were not associated with either team, but they came out because they knew that was going to be a good basketball game and they wanted to be there to see it. 
Uh, Denny Fegler, who used to be the girls basketball coach at Garrett. Haven't seen him in years. And then he told me he hasn't lived here for years. I said, well, that explains why I've never seen you. He's, uh, he said he's been living in California, just recently moved back. And he was there because he knew that was going to be a special game with some really talented players. He wanted to be there to see it. But it, uh, it was our buddy Tom from Pizza Hut. He was there. Oh, man. Yeah, it just looked like a packed house and a great night of high school basketball. But here's the thing. Not only did they fill up a a gym that holds around 3,000 or so people, they got there an hour or better before the game started. (laughs) Apparently, these people had nothing to do with their Saturday afternoon because they were standing in line. I got there at 620, which was an hour and 10 minutes before the tip. And I got one of the last two or three spots in the main lot. In fact, let me tell you something, Adam. All right. I gambled on it because most people were automatically <laughs> driving into the second lot because it looked like the first lot was full. And I say, you know what? I'm going to go find me a spot in that first lot. It's closer to the door. Yeah. And I pulled in and sure enough, found one. And I looked around and thought, man, this whole lot might have one <laughs> other space. But... But the point was they had one lot that was full. The next lot was about half to three-quarters full. By the time the doors opened, because I sat in my car and waited because I didn't want to go mess with that long line that was outside the door. Um, By the time the doors opened, they were already parking back behind the football stadium. And so these people not only came to the game, but they got there an hour early to get their seat and take in this Homestead, Columbia City game, matchup of two top 10 teams in the state. And we were right there to broadcast it. Uh, big thanks to the hospitality at Columbia City. No one spoke to me, but they did give me a good spot to sit. So <laughs> that's all that matters, really. That's all that really matters. Oh, but what a great game. You know, Columbia City kind of races off to an early lead, and then Homestead oh. kind of has to play from behind for a good portion of the game. Uh, Homestead's youth showed up early. Yeah. I mean, it was like deer in headlights playing in front of that huge crowd. And, uh, yeah, Columbia City got out to a big lead. Homestead looked like they were playing scared, nervous. Rod Parker, the veteran coach that he is, called a timeout and told his girls, hey, look, relax. Okay? It's not that big a deal. Relax. Play your game. And he said our first four possessions, I think we had three passes. (laughs) <laughs> he said, we just, uh, the total. And he says, we just were not passing the basketball. Everybody was anxious to go, uh, you know, attack and get a shot, attack and get a shot. And he said, it got us in no offensive rhythm. It got Columbia City out to a big lead early. And then uh, Homestead just chipped away. And a uh, big shout out to Maya Epps because she was outstanding with Purdue coaches sitting right in front of me watching. And and the very next day, guess what happens? <laughs> she gets the offer. She puts a post on social media that Maya Epps has gotten an offer from Katie Geralds to go to Purdue University. Give her a round of applause for that. That's hey, very impressive. That's stepping up your game when you know the the you know the people watching you. Yeah, no kidding. Plus, uh, I think she stepped up her game because she knew she wanted to win that game. Oh yeah. Because Homestead had not lost a sectional, had not lost a sectional in five years, five straight. So that made it six straight. And after the game, Rod Parker, who we had a chance to visit with, he was really excited. You could tell, when you know, I don't see a whole lot of, I mean, there's emotion. 
But there was pure joy when that clock went down to zero and he was jumping up and pumping his fist in the air. That was the most I've seen on a positive side out of Rod Parker <laughs> in all the years that I've been covering the high school basketball here. And so uh, I knew he was especially proud of this team. And we had him on the post game, and the first thing he said was, you know, I'm so proud of my young team. This was a team that hasn't played with this kind of stage, this kind of spotlight. At, at the beginning, they weren't handling it well, but they adjusted. And to get this win over a Columbia City team that had so much experience, I think they started four junior or four seniors and a junior. Uh, it was a huge win for uh, Homestead. But that was a lot of fun. And we'll talk about uh, not only what happened in the area in high school basketball sectional championships on the girls' side, but where they're going next because we've got the regional matchups, who they're playing, where they're playing it. I hate this new format. Can I just say, <laughs> I want to be on record that this new format of going to a one-game regional stinks. Now, I know, hey, you know, at least then the full day might be better weather. Yeah, right. Uh, but but the uh, actually, to me, it doesn't make sense that you push more people, more teams, more fans into the semi-state which means everybody has to practice another week. And, and, you know, I'm all for having, you know, that extra practice and time. But the reality is some teams are going to sneak through a, set, a, a regional, a one-game regional. They're going to sneak through and get to semi-state that really are not a, a state-qualified team. So it's not like they're going to go to semi-state and have a chance to win two games. It's just a matter of where their sectional and how their sectional is paired. We saw sectionals around the state where there wasn't a team with a winning record. Oh, yeah. And then if you end up getting that sectional and you're matched up in the regional against a, a sectional that didn't have teams with a winning record, you might play a team that's, you know, 12 and 10 and you're, uh, you know, 11 and 13 and you've got a matchup in the regional to get a ticket to the semi-state. Just, I, I just don't like it. I, you know, I, I like the old tradition. And, and I'm, I'm for class basketball. I'm fine with class basketball. I'm like, let's, you know, even the playing field for everybody. I don't think there's any harm in that. But I do like the two early games in regional with the regional championship. And I've always been a, a advocate that that was the best day on the Indiana high school basketball calendar was regional Saturday. That's the best day because every team that shows up for a regional has got some kind of trophy and some kind of net. And they don't have to win a regional to collect it. And so I enjoyed the fact that you could play out a whole day in regional and then it got that close where it was one game, one step from getting into Indianapolis to play for a state championship and all the pressure in the world on one game that could be played at the semi-state. That to me was ideal. And I don't know why it got changed. And nobody has ever come up with a good reason. Have you ever heard anybody give a good reason? We thought it was time for a change. We thought this might, this change might, you know, help with travel. Oh, baloney. Look at the travel some of our teams are having to take this weekend and tell me that there's a big difference in travel between playing one game regionals versus uh, playing a four-team regional. Baloney. Not buying it. <laughs> All right. Rant over. Uh, for now. Yeah, let's talk about something positive from the weekend, like yesterday's Purdue win over the Wisconsin Badgers. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, boiler up. Purdue shows their road maturity. 
And, uh, you know, and they're showing that, uh, hey, look, they've been through those couple of rough spots going on the road. They've learned from it. They've adjusted. They're playing better basketball right now. And they went into the Kohl Center. And you know how tough it is to win there. Just ask any Indiana fan what it's like to win at the Kohl Center. No, don't ask an Indiana fan because <laughs> they don't know what it's like to win at the Kohl Center. Ask somebody who's actually been there and done it and ask them how tough it was to get it done. Purdue goes into Wisconsin, gets the victory. I tell you what, Lance Jones, such a perfect piece. Oh. Matt Painter, give him an A plus on using the grad portal to find just the right guy. I mean, this this is a guy that, and here's the the fact that nobody's talking about that he's a fifth year guy because a lot of a lot of teams go to the transfer portal and the first thing they look at, how many years will I get them if I get them to commit? Matt Painter didn't look at that. He thought, our need is immediate. It's now. We've got one year left with Zach Eady, and we can't waste it. I don't care if a guy comes in gives us one great year. We need him now, not next year, not two years, one good year, and he's got to be this type of player. And he went out and found Lance Jones, and it's a perfect fit. Not only for Lance Jones, it's a perfect fit for the Purdue Boilermakers. And Lance Jones stepped up. Ended up uh, with 20 points. He was 8 for 14 from the field. But he does so much of everything. He yeah. defends. He gives you six rebounds, three assists, had a steal. Did not turn the ball over. Just a solid game from Lance Jones. And, of course, Zach Eady. <laughs> he pretty much did what Zach Eady does. 13 rebounds, 18 points, 7 of 13 from the field. He is struggling right now at the free throw line, though. He's got to yeah. get better. Uh, because I tell you, teams are going to go to the hack Zach. They are. If he doesn't hit more than fifty percent of his free throws, they'll uh, they won't mind hacking him. And and as mo- as uh, Coach Collins said, you got three bigs, you got fifteen fouls. Use every one of them. <laughs> no kidding. And they pretty much did. Yeah. But uh, Zach Eady finished with eighteen, nineteen from Braden Smith. Although it was an okay game for Smith, I. I thought he turned the ball over too much. Five turnovers is kind of tough for a point guard, but he did hit seven to 15 shots. He was five for five at the line. He added six rebounds. So overall, pretty good numbers. Um, he had 12 points from Fletcher Lawyer. He hit six of seven free throws in getting those. Here's the thing. Lawyer gets 12 points. First thing you think is, oh, he probably made four threes. No. Yeah. Guess how many threes he made yesterday. Zero. Zero threes. <laughs> and guess how many shots he took from three? Zero. What is going on? That's interesting. Did he forget who he was? Fletcher <laughs> Lawyer. Zero for zero from three point. He was three for seven from the field, six of seven at the foul line for his 12 points. Um, so, solid win for the Boilermakers as uh, they made A.J. Store very inefficient. He was just four of 15 from the field. He ended up with 14 points, but he had to get six of those at the free throw line. He missed all four of his three-point shots. And uh, Chucky Hepburn, one of the veterans who's been around Wisconsin for a while, one for six from the field, 0 for 1 from three. He got four points off the free throw line. But, uh, you know, Purdue was challenged. But, uh, you know, it, it was interesting because even though Purdue was challenged and this game was tied late, um, I never felt like this game was getting away from Purdue. I was going to say the exact same thing. They never really got a, a pulled away for a big lead, but they just looked in control for the majority of the game. I thought if it was a tie game, one possession with the last 30 seconds, shot clock off, I was still confident that Purdue was going to find a way to win the, bas- the basketball game. 
Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, it was uh, Purdue getting the road win at Wisconsin. Big win for the Boilermakers as they now are all alone. Of course, they were ahead in first place in the uh, Big Ten, but now a a bit of a cushion. They they added a little bit of separation by getting the win over Wisconsin. All right, so let's find out what's happened in the world of sports on this Monday. It's today's Top Headlines with Adam Lundy. All right, thanks, Brent. Well, field conditions for the San Francisco 49ers practice facility at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, have been met with widespread disapproval from various members of their organization. The NFL put in a sod field on top of field turf and started laying it just last week when the NFL ordinarily requires Super Bowl practice fields to meet certain standards in December. The NFL hardness score for fields averaged about 78, with no field being less than 70. The 49ers practice field is considered to be at a hardness in about the 50s, sources say. Huh, so the field is too soft. Yeah. You know what they need to do. They just need to give the, the field a few blue pills. That's what they got <laughs> They got to do. They'll be fine. Oh, geez. Reigning national champion UConn, <laughs> Purdue, and North Carolina remain to top the Associated Press's top 25 college basketball poll for the third consecutive week. That fertilizer? <laughs> that is for some. <laughs> the week also included Kansas beating Houston, which vaulted the Jayhawks up four spots to number four and dropped the Cougars one spot down to number five. We have a list of confirmed participants so far for the NBA's three-point contest at the All-Star Weekend in Indianapolis. Indiana's Tyrese Halliburton, Milwaukee's Damian Lillard and Malik Beasley, New York's Jalen Brunson, Cleveland's Donovan Mitchell, and Utah's Lori Markinen are all confirmed so far for the three-point contest. Oh, we might have to have another vending machine snack we'll, uh, uh, bet on that one. Pacers, New York, yeah. Halliburton versus Brunson, that, that's been a pretty good battle right there. I don't know who I would take. That's tough. And one more story here for you today, Brett. The Indianapolis Colts are hiring Charlie Partridge as their new defensive line coach. Partridge, a former head coach at Florida Atlantic University, has spent the last seven seasons as the University of Pittsburgh's defensive line coach. Partridge will replace Nate Ollie, who was the Colts' defensive line coach for the last two years, but did not have his contract renewed this off <laughs> this offseason. <laughs> <laughs> oh geez, a little, little lump in the throat. There. Oh, we should have had a Facebook live going and just show your face oh, when you man. decided to like get all choked up oh, over Nate uh, Ollie. Over, over Nate Ollie. I miss you, Nate. Oh man, what happened to Nate? <laughs> oh man. Uh, all right, so there we go. Today's top headlines with Adam Lundy. Welcome back to the Sports Rush. Coach John Kaufman joins us in just a few. By the way, last night, Adam, I was keeping up with my pop culture and I was watching the Grammy Awards. Did you happen to watch the Grammy Awards? Uh, no. Uh, NFL fans should have been watching because uh, Travis Kelsey's girlfriend won a couple of awards. Oh, did including she? Including setting a record all time. I think it was, what was it, her fourth album that won Album of the Year and no other artist in history has ever done that. But that wasn't the big shocker last night from Taylor Swift. Swifties are just beside themselves today because she used the opportunity on stage to accept a award to announce she's got a new album coming out <laughs> April 19th. And we know the name. Oh boy. No Easter eggs here. Oh, boy. Tortured Poets Department. I don't know what that means. What do we eat? Like emo kids yeah, now? I, in the, in I, the... I, I don't know what that is, but <laughs> yeah, that was the uh, the big 
Vic Breaker from uh, the Grammy Awards last night. That sounds like a very sad, depressing album. I, uh, I would figure uh, something more happy. I with, yeah, I mean, maybe she well, she probably wrote it before Travis probably, came Probably, probably has some material that she needed to, yeah. you know, but yeah. Get off her chest and, and talk about the ex-boyfriend. Sure, but hopefully the happy album comes next. Uh, by the way, um, what else? Oh, uh, Tracy Chapman, who yeah. has not been seen like since she did Fast Cars. Was it Fast Cars? That the name of the title? Ooh. Uh, yeah, she made an appearance last night. I I don't know. I I I try to keep up on my pop culture. You know, I oh, try, yeah. I try to keep up on music and stuff. But man, it's getting hard. I will say this: Miley Cyrus looks like a grown up now. She doesn't look like a punk kid <laughs> that uh, you know. Is uh, is hanging out in the back parking lot, smoking a little something, and then running in and collecting an award. She actually looked, yeah. I mean, she nice dress, had the hair, came with her mother, you know. Uh, yeah, she Looks nice. Maybe she realizes that you can have a clean image, like like a Taylor Swift, and be immensely popular. But her song "Flowers" was the one of the big winners last night as well. Huh. Four, four six eight six two is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. All right, so. I've got to ask the question, where is the pride in Indiana? Because what we saw Saturday was not about being proud to have the Indiana on your chest. It wasn't about kids who grew up shooting hoops against a barn door with an old basket that had an iron chain clad net. And wanting to be an Indiana Hoosier from the time they could go out there and, and get it all the way up to 10 feet high. You know, that, you know, this is the problem you've got right now. And this is one thing that a lot of the old timers want to say, why can't we recruit Indiana kids? Part of what Indiana kids bring is they bring the desire to be an Indiana Hoosier. And for some reason that has faded over the last decade. Kids in Indiana are going to Purdue. In case you haven't noticed, look at Purdue's roster. Miles Colvin, Fletcher Lawyer, Braden Smith, Caleb First. I mean, you can go through Trey Kaufman, Wren. Where are Indiana kids going? They're not going to Indiana, and they're having a heck of a lot of success at Purdue. They're taught team basketball. They value their teammates because that's part of the culture in this state, in a great Midwestern state. It, uh, you know, there's great high school coaching. They, uh, you know, they show some pride because they've grown up around this college program. And they take great pride in the fact that they get to put on a jersey that says Purdue on the front. At Indiana, I don't think anybody cares what's on the front. They only care about what's on the back. And how much, uh, how many zeros are on the checks that they get through their NIL deals? That's it. They didn't show any kind of heart or pride in that second half. They went through the motions against a woeful Penn State team. And give me everything you want about, well, Penn State was hitting shots. Yeah, they had three feet of space to be able to set, step in and hit three pointers. Indiana's closeouts were lame and weak. There's no heart. There was no, to me, it's about pride. The fan base is a really proud fan base who wants to uphold that tradition of winning at Indiana. And they want to do it at all costs. Bring in an Indiana coach, recruit Indiana kids, 
problem is right now this roster doesn't show that kind of pride that you see from the fan base. No, I think this roster has been constructed of a lot of young men who were promised, you know, big things by Mike Woodson, whether it's playing in personally pros. big things personally. Yeah, not team accomplishments. No, we're going to prepare you for the next level. And that's the way they play. Yeah. Look at the defense in the NBA right now. That's not where it's at. It's about getting to the bucket, scoring some points. Want to get mine. And, you know, at Purdue, Matt Painter, and we've played it before on this show, Matt Painter has stressed that when players come to Purdue, okay, they become Purdue. Purdue does not become them. They are not bigger than the program. They have to become a part of a program that's much bigger than they are and will always be bigger than they are. And it, you feel like right now at Indiana, it's a lot of individuals who think they're more important than the actual program is. And uh, I will say this, Khalil Ware was terrific in the first half, but what happened to him in the second half? Where did he go? Was it his teammates not getting in the ball? Was it Mike Woodson failing to identify that he had a very hot player and run plays to get him touches? Because that's the coach's responsibility. You've got a guy that's putting up big numbers. You've got to keep feeding him. And Indiana didn't. And then defensively, to give up the amount of points they gave up to Penn State, I mean, that's yeah borders on insanity. I mean, Penn State scored 85 points at Indiana. Ugh. They should be scoring in the 60s. If they got the 70, they got a great day. And instead, they put up 85, and Indiana falls by double digits to Penn State, who needed that win just to get to 500 on the season. And remember, half of those games were played against the, you know, App State U and the Southwest something, name your state here. It, uh, yeah, it was not. Right. Here's the text that we just got on the text line, 46862. Want to get your thoughts. They said, IU would have never offered a kid like Braden Smith a scholarship. No, because Indiana's about the stars. Indiana's about uh, the recruiting battles and the recruiting wars and not about finding good fundamental basketball players who have the right passion and the right heart to play the game hard each and every day, commit to the gym over committing to the bar and making themselves better for their teammates rather than just wanting to make themselves better for a future pro career. I mean, yeah. that's what it's about right now at Indiana. Yeah. I need to showcase my skills so I can get into making some money in this game. Um, you know, you. I mean, you look at it, and, and Baco, I mean, you, you can tell a guy's head is not in the game when he dribbles uncontested off his foot out of bounds. Nobody was even guarding him. He just dribbles off his foot and turns it over. I mean, it was, there was some just bad moments in that Penn State game. And I had a chance to actually watch this game. And I thought, well, this is one of those days that everybody wants to complain about the Hoosiers. And by the time the game was over, I almost found myself yelling at the TV. <laughs> and I, it's like, I don't get that worked up. But I thought, no leadership, no fire. Um, no, I mean, that second half was just really uninspired yeah i mean time out where you're just ripping into guys i mean there had to be something to get those guys to play and instead they give up 12 of 22 from three-point range 
Uh, I thought we'd maybe gotten over allowing other teams to shoot over 50% from three, but uh, here they we are. Wa- they want to win when they feel the pressure of embarrassment. Yeah. And, uh, and so they, man, they all come together so they don't get too embarrassed. But then as soon as they get a win, then they feel real happy with themselves and come back and, and lay an egg against Penn State. Now, it would be the biggest Indiana thing to do is to come out tomorrow and just smoke Ohio State. Absolutely. To go on the road and beat up on a team that is struggling. And, I mean, it's a team that is so vulnerable in Ohio State because they've had a really tough month of January. Uh, Chris Holtman, I think, is starting to feel a little bit of pressure there in Ohio State. And Indiana should be able to go in there and beat them. But if you're Ohio State, you know what you're looking at? This is a team we can take. They play down to competition. And, man, did they play down to Penn State. They sure did. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862. Quick time out. When we come back, we've got men's basketball coach John Kaufman, Purdue Fort Wayne. He's going to join us, talk about that big win against Youngstown State yesterday. Don's now 3-1 and one against the top three teams in the Horizon League. We'll find, find out how they got it done. Ask about Jalen Jackson, the local product, and more with Coach Kaufman next on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. This is Purdue Fort Wayne men's basketball coach John Kaufman, and you're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Go Dons! Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rupp along with Adam Lundy, and we've got you connected on Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. That's 46862. Yesterday at the Gate Center, Mastodon's got a big win over Youngstown State. And it's kind of interesting when you look at the standings for the Horizon League, the three teams you'd see right at the top, Green Bay, Oakland, Youngstown State. And what do those three teams have in common? They're all teams that the Mastodons have beaten. In fact, they've got a combined three and one record against those teams, which kind of goes to show don't give up on this team. Do not give up on this team. It could be a magical run. It's all about getting into a good position. And, uh, hey, not, you know, there's still a shot. We've seen it happen before where a team sat in a position like this and gotten to the top of the standings by the time it was all said and done. A lot of things have to happen, but the Mastodons played a very solid game against Youngstown State yesterday, getting a 82-78 to win. And the coach, John Kaufman, joins us now on our Sports Rush guest line. And, Coach, uh, nice to get a Sunday afternoon win on campus. That man appreciates you uh, acknowledging that. And, and you're right. Uh, two years ago when we won the regular season, we were – Sitting, we started out one and three in league play, got ourselves to five and five, and then got on a great run in February where we didn't lose a game and ended up winning the regular season. Um, and so obviously that, that was a historic run and very challenging to do. But, you know, this group, man, we started out, what was it, 13 and two, um, as you go through the, 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 you know, four and oh in league play, um, face some adversity. And, you know, the, the, the two things that they've done, really, really consistently through this stretch, early stretch of, of kind of January league play is that, that they have managed adversity by looking in the mirror and hunting better. Um, it's led to a bunch of close losses um, prior to Northern Kentucky and, and Youngstown State, which are huge wins for our program, kind of get us back in the rhythm. The other thing is that, uh, you know, this, this group, it, it's forced me to recognize their youth. 
you know, in a day and age where, you know, like last year we had, you know, a bunch of fifth and sixth year guys that already had recorded their thousand to two thousand points in college basketball and we're, we're, we're working on their PhDs like, like Bobby Planutis. This group has a freshman, three sophomores and two juniors in our top seven with only, you know, one guy going to graduate this year. And so it's, it's young basketball. And so some of adversity and, kind of league play challenges where the margins are really thin, teams know each other inside and out, is that you recognize, hey, man, like we gotta, we got to get through some adversity so we can position ourselves to play really well down the stretch but also have a chance to win our league. I mean, that's, tournament play is hard. Um, and we felt a little bit of tournament play over the last couple of weeks where we're like, man, like we got to win a game. we got to finish out a game here. It's important. Um, and so that's been good for us. You know, I want to talk a little bit about Jalen Jackson, the hometown product, and he's had a terrific year. Now your leading scorer, he's hitting about 50% of his threes. Uh, he's actually taken over the top spot as far as three-point percentage on the team. But when you when you look at Jalen, you talk to Jalen, you kind of get this sense that he really wants to be the one that walks on water. And when I say that, it's like he wants to be the guy that takes this program to a new level uh, and I don't want to call him a savior, but he because the program's not in in bad shape at all. But but he, I wonder if he puts a little extra pressure on himself coming back home and and wanting so badly to have an impact in the success of this program. Well, I, I I'd say that the precedent ahead of him, which is challenging to uh, to to equate yourself to, is you know Bryson Scott, and that was the story that. We sold him coming back. Um, you know, and Bryson beat Indiana um, both times. You know, we played him while he was eligible for us. Um, and, you know, once at the Coliseum, you know, in front of the largest crowd ever to step foot in that arena. Um, and then, you know, Bryson was also, you know, top 20 in the country in scoring both years, his junior and senior year when he played for us. So, you know, those are big shoes to follow. And that was kind of our pitch to, to selling him coming home. Um, so I'm sure there's, there's some of that, but, but honestly, I, I don't feel any of that with him. I just think he wants to enjoy college basketball. And I think it's been such a great fit from our style of play, you know, where, you know, we, we play really, really fast, you know, and, and, and we have a style to where he's, you know, he's going to get 10 toed open threes, which he's really good at because you got other point guard types out there on the floor creating for him. And he's really, really embraced, you know, sort of our, 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 our Camp Kaufman, as our guys call it, during the summer. That, that weirdness that goes about with how we, we develop our relationships. I mean, from our ballroom dancing to our, our community mentor program to our dining etiquette, you know, our networking program we do. Like, he, he has loved all of that. Um, and he's just so happy right now in our program. And we found that, you know, certain guys have gone elsewhere. And for whatever the reason was, style of play, personalities with the coaches or the players had not enjoyed their first college experience. And they've transferred back to us, and it's been a good fit. You know, Bobby Planus tells that story all the time. We were his third Division One school, and, you know, he, he just loves it here. You know, and would tell all of our recruits and current players, you know, how you know, our, our, our coaching staff cares for them so much different than – when he was at St. Bonaventure and when he was at the mound. And so these things really sell themselves. And that's where I think Jalen is. 
I think he really enjoys his 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 days here, um, and it's cool. He's got he's got his own fan club, and his mom and his sisters are here all the time. It's a, it's a great setup for him. When you look at the roster, and we've talked about this before, there's so much balance. You got four guys that average in double figures. You've got Eric Mulder who could go double figures any single night for you. Um, is that is that a balance of talent, or is it just a extreme unselfishness among the group? Because and when I when I say that, the difference to me is a balance of talent is every guy is going to get theirs just because they're good enough to get theirs versus a team that really likes to, to share the basketball and likes, likes to see their teammates getting involved in scoring. Well, you know, you mentioned five, and those are our, our, our starters, but who you left out was you know, Max Nelson and Corey Hadnot, who kind of round out the, the kind of seven core of our minutes. I mean, all of those guys could drop 20 on any given night. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's kind of a combination of both. I mean, they're, they're all talented in how they can score the basketball. Um, but, but, but they also are all very, very unselfish. And that's, you know, what we've become really good at, um, you know, over the last 13 years I've been here is identifying, you know, what works in Fort Wayne, what works when they're being coached by me, um, and, and, and in our, you know, in our program. And, you know, we've always sold the unselfish style of play, sharing the basketball, shooting the three, um, you know, playing wide open fast. Um, and, and, and so what we've also found is, you know, kind of with that summer programming, you know, all that life skills stuff. who, whoever, we don't shy away. We don't try and tell you something we're not. Um, and the guys that come here are the ones that buy what we're selling. And, you know, when we're selling unselfishness, we're selling, Hey, you may have 28 one night, you may have nine the next night, but man, it's fun when that ball is moving and happy going from one edge of the floor to the other. Um, and so those guys, we tell them on the front end, we show them video, and they're seeing it. And so that's kind of what's happened is we got a great fit of guys that bought what we're selling, and now they're putting it on the floor at a high level. Coach, I know you can't make up a five-game losing streak with one win against Youngstown State, and, and you've seen it before, trying to string together some victories and come with that same intensity and that same effort that you had yesterday and do it on Wednesday night against Cleveland State. What are those conversations like with the team? And is that something where the internal coaching, the the I know you talk about policing themselves and being a coach inside the locker room. Does that come from the players getting themselves mentally and physically ready to play at a high level? Because uh, I, I imagine there's only so many rah-rah speeches that a coach can give to always have his team ready to go. But this is the stretch where you want to hit that point. Well, and, and I love that you're our number one marketeer in Fort Wayne. Um, you know, the difference between you and me, the media and the coach, is that you're very outcome-driven and I'm very process-driven. And our success has all come through the process of being part of something bigger than yourself and how do you, you know, dominate the daily process and the numbers play out if you focus on being us. And, you know, we're, we're, we've won two of the last three games. Um, and, and, and since our IUPUI game, our group has put elite defense down there. And Milwaukee two games ago, um, you know, we weren't elite in the first half, but what we did in that second half, you know, holding them in the 30s from the floor and, and sub-20s, I mean, that's what this group has, has really built their brand on this year. You know, and last night against Cleveland State or yesterday afternoon against Cleveland State, I mean, we held, 
you know, one of the top three offenses in the league to 40% from the floor, 35% from, from, from three, and they were the hottest team in our league. And we turned around and shoot 52% from the floor, 50% from three. But we didn't win it on the offensive end. We won it on the defensive end. And, you know, we did that against Northern Kentucky as well. And so if you look at what we've been able to do over the course of the season, defend at a high, high level. And our guys got to recognize that as we went through some of the challenges of sort of the middle of the league play. Um, and the other piece I, I'd like to recognize is last night against Cleveland State. This was the second time we've faced an opponent for the second time. You know, and we beat Northern Kentucky and we beat, um, and we beat Youngstown State on the second round. And I thought our guys did gr- a great job adjusting, you know, from game one to the game team with areas that they took advantage of it. And so I think this group is in a great space to where they've managed adversity, they've had growth, uh, but it's not perfect. You know, we could lose our next three, we could win our next three, and that doesn't make the season, you know, over or make it, you know, the end of the world in terms of of, of winning the league. What's got to happen is we just got to keep, you know, keep playing well in terms of dominating our process, you know, coming in, looking in the mirror when we make mistakes and be playing well down the stretch of February and into our league tournament. You mentioned the defense, but wasn't it perhaps one of the most complete all-around games for you yesterday? Um, I I don't necessarily. Honestly, it, it, we've been going since June. It's funny, um, you know, and really going since May, where through the portal we had five straight weeks after last year's season of 90-hour weeks trying to work through the portal um, to kind of work through spring recruiting. So, honestly, I... I, it seems like a decade ago um, at the beginning of the year, and there's been a lot of games since we opened up with the DePaul win um, that we've won in this process. So I, I can't say complete game, um, but I will say this. Youngstown State is, was playing and is playing as good a basketball as anybody in the country right now at a high, high level. And, you know, I thought our guys put a, a really dominating defensive effort on them last night. But, you know, when you shoot 52% from the floor, 50% from three, make 11 threes, you don't want to diminish the fact that you got gotten pretty good flow offensively. Um, so I'm proud of our guys. I thought we played great basketball. And try and do it again on Wednesday um, and, and, and continue to get better. It is Cleveland State coming into the Coliseum on Wednesday night. And uh, it kind of starts with Cleveland State with Tristan Enaruna, a potential NBA prospect. You know, I was really proud of how we attacked, uh, uh, you know, an arena at their place where we kept him really, really inefficient from the floor. Um, I, I, I don't remember the exact number. I think it was like two or three for, for 12 or something like that. I thought we did a great job putting him in crowds and turning him over. Now, the area that we weren't as good as I would like is he took advantage of us with, I think, seven or eight assists in that game. But he's, he's a really tough matchup. I mean, he's. He's six eight. He's long. Um, he's got a, a, a really good skill set as a post driver who can also take you out on the perimeter and you know shoots in the mid thirties from three. So there's not a lot he can't do. Um, but I, I I love where we are defensively. Um, you know we found ourselves up on the road uh, against those guys up fifteen, and it was a game that we didn't necessarily lose. They took from us down the stretch making plays, and you know I'm really looking forward to uh, to a rematch. Um, with a really good Cleveland State game on Wednesday. And you're right, and, and Arun is going to be a bear to, to guard, but uh, I think I got the right dudes in the locker room to do it.
Best of luck on Wednesday night, Coach. We'll uh, talk to you at the Coach's Show coming up tomorrow night. Appreciate the time. All right. Thanks, Catman. Appreciate you having me on the show. Yep, that is Coach John Kaufman, Purdue-Fort Wayne men's basketball coach. After the Dons got the win yesterday, 82-78 to over Youngstown State. Not only did they end the four-game winning streak by the Penguins, the Penguins were coming off a win against Wright State, which is, again, a super talented team in the Horizon League. But Youngstown State, with a win yesterday, would have been tied for first place in the Horizon League. So you know they were motivated for that victory. And they were not going to go down without a serious fight because they wanted that share of first place. They just worked to get four straight wins to, to make up some ground against those league leaders. And then they saw that chance right in front of them. The only team in their way was Purdue-Fort Wayne. And so... What the Mastodons did was pretty remarkable yesterday to knock off a really good team that was highly motivated and get the job done 82-78 against the Penguins. All right, we've got to take a break. We've got another hour coming up. So much to talk about, including that Team Southwest here in Indiana. I keep telling you about them, and they, they showed out again on Saturday, did it a little different way, a little different style. Also, hope you made some money if you listen to Friday's show. We'll go back and recap. Don Fisher, our 15 Minutes with Fish. It's all coming up at hour number two, and that comes up next right here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.